Joe Biden is looking more like the Democratic nominee despite his gaff-filled rants. 82% of Democrats believe abortion should be legal in all or most cases. And what does the Bible say about killing babies? I'm Joseph Oster, your host. All of this and more is coming up on the American Christian Podcast. Welcome to Episode 3 of the American Christian Podcast. Well, before we get to geriatric Joe, did you know that Christians in the Middle East and much of Asia and in Africa are still being martyred for the faith? But how many American Christians are willing to lay down their smartphones, let alone their lives, for the faith? Being a Christian in America doesn't require much these days. Suburban megachurches are more like entertainment venues than places to worship God. And the lives that American Christians lead aren't much different from those of their atheist neighbors, and their knowledge of theology isn't much better either. Well, Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire exposes the pitiful state of Christianity in America today and lays out the stakes for us, our families, and our eternal salvation, and he invites us to a faith that's a lot less easy and comfortable. This is a fantastic read. I have a copy. Why don't you pick up your copy of Matt Walsh's book, Church of Cowards, a wake-up call to complacent Christians today. You can get your copy by visiting www.americanchristianpodcast.com, click on the book cover link, that's www.americanchristianpodcast.com, and click on the book cover link. 150 million people have been killed since 2007 when Bernie voted to exempt the gun manufacturers from liability. They would put 720 million, back, million women back in the workforce. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look, tomorrow's Superstar Tuesday, and I want to thank you all. I tell you what, I'm rushing ahead, aren't I? Nobody should be in jail for a nonviolent crime. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. Think about it. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the, go, you know the, you know the thing. This guy is a gaff a minute. It's actually comical to see what he's going to say, but this guy, despite his lack of mental acuity, he's got some serious problems. First, from his stance on certain issues, which we're going to get to in a moment, to his possible ties to corruption with the Ukraine. And if you think for one minute that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden Ukraine deal that that's over with, Wait until Biden becomes the Democratic nominee. They are going to hammer him relentlessly. Trump is going to hammer him. If Captain Stumble and Mumble can't get his words straight without any pressure, what in the world is he going to say when the pressure's on? And you know Trump will pound him into the ground when he stumbles. But what's more interesting to me than that is Biden's ever-changing stance on the issues, especially when it comes to abortion. Honestly, no matter what election it is, I don't really care about what politicians say. I really don't care what they promise because, by and large, all of them are liars. And they'd rather lie than eat. And as a Christian, it usually comes down to one issue for me, and that issue is where does the candidate stand on abortion? What do they think about human life? You see, when he first started out in politics as a Catholic, he, along with other Democrats, they were trying to find a way to wrestle and reconcile their church's teachings with their political party because the Catholic Church says no to abortion and they believe it is immoral. And they tried to reconcile their church's teaching with their political party and, 
and, and that's just it. It can't be reconciled. There is no reconciling abortion with Christianity. I want to say that again. There is no reconciling abortion with Christianity. And those who try, you either got to deny the teachings of Scripture or ignore them altogether. And we're going to talk about what the Scripture has to say in a few moments. According to a Pew Research article, as the debate over abortion continues, there's some key facts about Americans' views on the issue. Listen to these statistics. About 6 in 10 U.S. adults, or 61%, said in 2019 that abortion should be legal in all or most cases. So that tells us that the majority of Americans, the vast majority of Americans, believe that abortion should be legal in all or most cases. And that's compared with 38% who said it would, should be illegal all or most of the time. So public support for abortion remains as high as it's been in two decades of polling. And really, there's no difference between the views of men and the views of women. And there's a growing share of Democrats who favor legal abortion in all or most cases. In fact, 82% of Democrats believe that abortion should be legal in all or most cases, as compared to the 36% of Republicans that say abortion should be legal in all or most cases. There's also a lot of gaps between religious affiliations. For example, three-quarters of white evangelical Protestants, actually at 77%, they say abortion should be illegal in all or most cases. And even a large share of religious unaffiliated Americans, 83% have the opposing view, saying that abortion should be mostly or entirely legal. In a December 2017 survey, roughly half Americans, 48%, said having an abortion is morally wrong while 20% said they think it's morally acceptable, and 31 said it's not a moral issue. What do all these statistics mean? Well, they literally mean that the vast majority of Americans expect abortion to remain at least mostly legal in the United States. A survey conducted in December 2018 asked Americans what they would think the status of abortion laws in the country would be in the year 2050. And about 75% said it would either be legal with no restrictions or legal with some restrictions. I find this appalling that the majority of people are okay with killing babies. So where does Geriatric Joe stand on abortion? Well, he unequivocally supports abortion rights. He opposes the Hyde Amendment and after decades of supporting it. If you don't know what the Hyde Amendment is, that's the amendment that blocks taxpayer funding of abortion. Listen to some of his other voting record. He voted no on prohibiting minors crossing state lines for abortion. He voted no on notifying parents who get out-of-state abortions. He voted no on criminal penalties for harming unborn fetuses during another crime. He voted no on maintaining a ban on military base abortions. People, the bottom line, Joe Biden does not value human life. His record shows it. And personally, it always comes down to that issue for me. Because unlike Bernie Sanders, who believes that income inequality is the greatest moral issue of the day, I believe abortion is the greatest. And before we go any further, I need to say that I hate referring to it as abortion. Let's call it what it really is. It's murdering babies. We have ripped 60 million babies from their mother's womb in this country since 1973. That's the population of California and New York State combined. People, that's infanticide. We condemn Hitler and the Nazis for what they did during the Holocaust when they killed some six million Jews. And America's done far worse with her love for killing babies. And I want to go on record to say that I don't believe abortion is morally right in any case. 
And people can argue with me with that or disagree with that. It really doesn't matter to me. People love to talk about all the instances where they think it's okay to have an abortion. And I want to remind people what it is. It's taking the life of a human baby. And in my opinion, there's nothing more reprehensible. And I even know good Christian people who say they're against abortion, except in the cases of rape, incest, or in instances where the life of the mother's in jeopardy. But did you know that just 1% of women attain abortion because they became pregnant through rape? Less than five-tenths of a percent do so because of incest, and this is according to the Guttmacher Institute. The debate over the exceptions has dominated headlines and ignited Twitter wars, and I've been a part of them. <laughs> but Mary Ziegler, a professor at Florida State University College of Law who specializes in the legal history of reproduction, she says exceptions for rape and incest are much more symbolic than they are relevant given that they don't apply to the majority of women having abortions. She said abortion opponents have never felt these exceptions were justified, but they were long seen as political third rail. And when you get down to it, those cases are very rare. Even ectopic pregnancies only happen in 2% of all pregnancies. And in case you didn't know what an ectopic pregnancy is, it's where the, the fertilized egg implants somewhere outside of the uterus. Those pregnancies can be deadly, and in many cases, the only way to treat this type of pregnancy is to either terminate it, wait till a miscarriage, or try and carry it to term, and that can be detrimental to the mother and the child. But the, again, again, these are rare cases, and they're portrayed by the pro-choice movement and Democrats as mainstream. But we know from statistical data, even some that I've given you today, that most babies are sacrificed on the altar of convenience. In fact, the Guttmacher Institute shows that 74, listen to this, 74% of women who had an abortion stated that, one, having a baby would dramatically change their life, two, they couldn't afford the baby, three, they didn't want to be single mother, four, they had some, some sort of relationship problem with the baby daddy, and five, they stated they had completed their childbearing years and didn't want any more children. Well, that sounds to me like every one of those reasons were matters of being inconvenienced. You have a child, no crap, Sherlock. Your life is going to dramatically change. And what parent ever thinks they can afford it? Here's the suggestion. If you don't want to get pregnant, stop sleeping around and stop shacking up. And here's another option. If you get pregnant and you don't want your child, there are nearly 2 million couples who are currently waiting to adopt in, in the United States. That means there's as many as 36 waiting families for every one child who's placed up for adoption. Women, stop sacrificing your children on the altar of convenience and give those precious babies up for adoption where they can be loved and accepted. And just so you didn't think this is my opinion on this, the Scripture has something to say about it. What does the Scripture have to say? What does the Bible have to say and God have to say about abortion? What's God's view of human life? Well, before we get into that, you need to check out the Vigilant Flag Store. My dad and I make these wonderful handcrafted American wooden flags. We're unashamedly and unapologetically American. We love the flag. We love this great country. We love what it was founded on and what it stands for. And we still believe in freedoms and are proud to say that this country is the greatest country on planet Earth. Get your flag. Display your love for America. Visit www.americanchristianpodcast.com and click on the Vigilant Flag Store link. That's www.americanchristianpodcast.com and click on the Vigilant Flag Store link. Abortion continues to be one of the most passionately debated contemporary topics that there is. And undoubtedly, the conversation is emotionally intensified because it affects a whole bunch of people personally, either directly or indirectly. Listen to this. Demographically, among women aged 15 to 44 years, 
4.6 will have an, had an abortion by age 20, 19% by age 30, 23.7 by age 45. So in other words, one in four of all women in the U.S. will have had an abortion by the time they turn 45 years old. That's 25% of women. A quarter of the women in this country will have had an abortion. But being a follower of Christ, what does the Bible have to say about the killing of babies? What does God say? We need to consider the biblical witness because the Bible is God's word and it's authoritative source for all questions of morality. And that should be the case for every believer. Now, if a person doesn't believe the Bible to be authoritative, that's, that's a whole other podcast for another time. But I consider the Bible to be the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. It is God's word to man. And while the word abortion is not in the Bible, it would be ignorant and intellectually dishonest to say that the Bible doesn't speak to the foundational issue in the same way it would be naive and dishonest to say the Bible doesn't speak to transgenderism. These words aren't mentioned in Scripture, but God deals with them. Scripture makes it clear that the cornerstone of the biblical witness against abortion is the sanctity of human life. People possess innate worth because God created human beings in his own image. So let's build a case against abortion real quick. First of all, we're created in the image of God. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 and 27, listen to this. It says, God, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now, we don't have time to dive into the implications of all of this passage, but if we take this verse, we have the case for the sanctity of all human life. We have the case against homosexuality, transgenderism. We have the case against animal rights. Sorry, PETA. God gave us dominion and rule over all the animals. But again, all those are issues we're going to tackle on another episode of the podcast. Those who don't value human life are in rebellion against God and rejecting what the Lord says about human life. Those who claim to be Christians and yet advocate these evils, they're doing so in contradiction to what it means to be a Christian and who is a disciple and a follower of Christ. And whether they admit it or not, they blaspheme and offend God by their disobedience to his commands that are clearly given in his revelation of himself and his will in the Bible. They want to play God in deciding who lives and who dies based on their own reasoning instead of what the Lord has declared. Listen, abortion, euthanasia, genocide, they're just different names given to willful taking a human life, which is by definition murder. Each are blasphemy against God because they willfully destroy a creature made in God's image. These are very serious sins that have brought God's judgment upon individuals. If you don't think God didn't have something to say about sacrificing their babies, you need to read Leviticus 20 or Deuteronomy 12 and Deuteronomy 18. One of the reasons God had the Canaanites annihilated was their practice of infanticide as part of their worship of Molech. They literally sacrificed their babies to their God. And so any conversation concerning human value, it must begin with Scripture in Genesis chapter 1. But not only does the Bible speak about that, it speaks about how life is valued from the womb. If you dissect Exodus chapter 21, 22 through 25, it talks about the unborn children and how they're created in God's image and that the unborn and adults are of equal value in God's eyes. Listen to what the passage says. 
If a man fights and hurts a pregnant woman so that her child is born prematurely, yet there is no serious injury, then he shall surely be punished in accordance with what the woman's husband demands of him, and he shall pay as the judges, judges determine. But if there is any serious injury, then you shall give life for life. Listen to how important touching someone who is pregnant and hurting that baby is. But if there is any serious injury, then you shall give life for life, Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, and bruise for bruise. Man, we can see here the value of life all in the womb. But in case you didn't understand that, we can see the value of life in the womb in Psalm chapter 139, where the psalmist talks about the biblical concept of personhood and how that's present at conception. Listen to what verse 13 through 16 of Psalm 139 say. You brought my inner parts into being. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for you made me with fear and wonder. Marvelous are your works, and you know me completely. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and intricately put together in the lowest parts of the earth. You saw, you, Your eyes saw me unformed, yet in your book all my days were written before any of them came into being. Wow! This passage tells us that God's hand is upon the forming of a baby in the womb. Look, science can explain the physical realm, how all these sequential biological processes work with sperm and eggs and fertilization, but science doesn't tell us who. Man, somebody help me testify. It's God. God's handiwork is all over the unborn child from conception. The entire corpus of Scripture argues for personhood and the incredible worth of the unborn child. What about Genesis 9 and 6 that talks and connects the intrinsic worth of every individual to the image of God in which they're created? The, the verse reads, Whosoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And we know that image is soul, body, and spirit. Whether a person wants to acknowledge it, God's hand is all over creation. And here's some quick examples. Listen to what Scripture says. Sarah, the wife of Abraham in Genesis 16 she said and told Abram, her husband, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. She understood that it was the Lord that opens and closes the womb. In Genesis seventeen sixteen, the Lord said, I'll bless her, and indeed I'll give you a son by her. Hannah, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, she said, But the Lord had closed her womb. And in verse 11, Hannah prays that the Lord would give her a son. And in verse 19 and 20, it says, And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And it came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel. Now listen to the testimony of Psalm. Psalm 100, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his fat pasture. Psalm 127.3, behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Jeremiah 1, 4 and 5, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and were born. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Don't tell me that the Bible has nothing to say about pregnancy. Don't tell me the Bible has nothing to say about human life. Don't tell me the Bible doesn't say anything about killing babies. It's all in there. And I'll say it again. How can anyone read the scripture and claim to know Jesus Christ and come away with, it is okay to kill babies? The bottom line is you can't. You either have to deny the Bible, you have to deny the teachings of God, or you got to deny God himself. But what's the last piece of evidence? Man, this one right here is good. And this is the love of God for all of humanity. 
Man, the entirety of scripture is about God's love for all of humanity despite our sinful condition. The Bible tells us that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5 and 8. One of my favorite passages of scripture is John 3.17. Now, all of us know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But not many people know John 3.17. It tells us that God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Man, talk about his love for humanity. Wouldn't a person think that that would include the life that God formed in the womb? Of course it would. And that's why abortion is sinful. And may God have mercy on us as a nation. May God have mercy on our politicians who create the laws. May God have mercy on the Supreme Court of the United States who said that we could murder babies. May God have mercy on us and the millions of babies we've murdered on the altar of convenience. Well, we've reached our prayer segment today. And I tell you, I don't have anybody specifically to pray for today, but I want to pray for this country. I want to pray that God would open our eyes to the reality of what abortion is, and that is murdering babies, and pray for his mercy upon us. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this podcast. Thank you for the people who are listening. And Lord, today my heart is heavy because of the millions of babies that have been murdered on the altar of convenience. And Father, today I pray that you would open our eyes. Father, I pray that you would Help us to see the reality and the truth of your scripture and know and turn our eyes towards you. Your word tells us that if we want our sins forgiven as a land, then we're going to have to humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. Then you would hear from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our land. Lord, would you help us to turn from our wicked ways? And one of of those is, is abortion. God, would you have mercy on us? Would you have mercy on the nation of America and the fact that we have killed so many babies? And I pray that you would, Father, help the believers do what we're supposed to do to be salt and light in a dark and dying world. Help us to continue to advance the gospel, to preach the gospel, to speak the truth. Father, give us courage because we know that we will be ridiculed, we will be cursed, but we should not be alarmed because you said the world hated you Therefore, the world would hate us. Father, give us strength, give us courage to continue this journey, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you for listening today, and thank you for being here with me. I do want to let you know that we do have partnerships available. If you you would like to partner with the American Christian Podcast, know that it does cost to host a podcast and and to have a website hosting as well. And so if you'd like to partner, go check out www.americanchristianpodcast.com. Click on the donate button in the upper right-hand portion, and you'll see the three levels of donation ministry that that you can participate in. Please understand that it is 100% voluntary. Giving, giving money is always on a voluntary basis, but yet prayers are expected. <laughs> I need all the prayers that I can get. If you'd like to interact with me, I'd love for you to on Twitter at Oster one I'm also on Instagram at Oster one And you can get the podcast on Apple iTunes podcast or Google podcast. You can also get the podcast on uh, Stitcher. 
And uh, we would love for you to partner with us and uh, listen to the podcast. Give us a rating. Give us a good review. We'll see you next time. In the meantime, don't forget 1 Peter 5, 8 that says, be sober, be, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. God bless you.